Welcome to the Directors UK podcast. We were thrilled to host the Golden Globe nominated director Regina King in conversation about her debut film, One Night in Miami. Together with Beban Kidron, Regina discussed nailing the film's visual tone, bringing her insights as an actor into directing and finding the perfect cast. We hope you enjoy the podcast. and thank you for coming. Um, So I have just met Regina just in the last five minutes and and we've already discussed the fact that every film is like a baby. And so I'm going to start by saying what a beautiful baby Regina has made. Uh, It's it's, uh, fighting fit, cute as hell and absolutely fantastic. So I'm really, really pleased and happy and delighted to have you here and I know this is a busy time for you because you are in production you are publicizing a movie um, and it's COVID so so you're a bit everything right um, so now everybody on this call knows who you are but you are actress tv director now movie director. And I thought we might just start by kind of you going back to the beginning and talking about what it was like to start acting and what you thought your life would be then rather than now where you've gone. Yeah, it's so, well, first of all, I just wanna say thank you for having me. Thank you for inviting me. It feels extra special to be a part of um, a conversation with, uh, my comrades with directors. So uh, thank you so much. Uh, I can't say that there is a specific vision that I had as a child when I was starting to act that as far as a specific vision that said, you know, when I'm this age, I'm going to be this and I want to do this type of film or this type of TV show. It wasn't really like that because I started out acting as a teenager, uh, as far as the first big role that I had was on a television show in the States called 227. And at that point, I still wanted to be a dentist or a flight attendant. So I was really just, you know, the acting was a hobby. It was one of the many things that my mother, you know, she was always big on the arts. So my sister and I, we had always done dance classes, um, poetry writing classes, um, acting classes. And uh, the acting was that thing, I guess I realized that, oh, you can pretend to be anyone you wanna be. So um, I think that that's what made me uh, really uh, just, enjoy on a level that I didn't enjoy the piano or dance lessons uh, because it it was just so broad, so vast, all the different spaces you could play. Mm -hmm. And um, so I I didn't have a a, a vision to uh, continue on as an actor. And it wasn't until I um, was in college that I felt like yeah, I think this acting thing might be for me as a career choice. Right. And, and so it, it kind of started uh, there. And in, in most, you know, in most successful lives, you know, there, there are people without whom your life could not happen. Mm. Often there's more than one person without whom. But I'm wondering in that moment between actually this is something that I'm doing, you know, hey, it's fun and 
actually this is a very serious thing for me is was there a person or people or an event that that took you into another space um well always my mother uh is is a, the the biggest whom you know that's uh and it, it takes becoming of when i became a mother did i really uh appreciate my mother on a whole nother level <laughs> you know uh, I, I would say specifically in that moment, uh, my mother is a teacher. So she was really big on education, really big on, um, um, she uh, really wanted me to uh, go to college. I was not a lover of school. I loved to learn, but the classroom setting uh, was always um, uh, claustrophobic for me. But you know, I never wanted to disappoint my mom. And then when I made the decision to really uh, take the acting seriously, and I told her that I wanted to drop out of college, what I thought it was going to be, you know, the showdown of all showdowns between me and my mom. And she was very supportive. And she very much uh, uh, was like, if you have a plan, and, and you're really serious, um, I've, I've got you. I'm behind you 100%. And I feel like it was almost just having that permission, although I was you know, 19 and I was no longer living at home. Um, she just kind of freed me in a, in a way that allowed me to not um, be concerned if I was going to be judged or that, that why didn't you finish college? And it, it all worked out. <laughs> it, it certainly did. And I, I know you did a run of uh, films with John Singleton. I just wonder whether that was like a, a, a big thing for you. That was, or, you know, did that open up another set of considerations? Absolutely. And you know, the thing that's really interesting about that is sometimes, you know, you are having an experience in life that you don't realize how impactful it is until later on in life. And that was really the case with John. As I started this, um, this journey as a director, um, you know, so a lot of memories started coming back for me. And one of the most fond memories that I had when, and, and luckily John and I were able to talk about it before he passed, years before he passed away. So. I feel grateful that I was able to thank him for this. But when we were doing Poetic Justice, that was the second film uh, with John, I had to audition for it. Um, and uh, I, while he said he wanted me for it, he was like, you have to audition. Great exercise, great push for him to do that for me because I, I think continue life in this industry uh, knowing that you really want something, you got to work for it. You got to show that you that you really want it, and so so that was great that that he um, made sure that that was how I would get the role if I was going to get the role. I was going to prove it to all of Sony, even if he felt I was able to do it. But once I got the part, John, I guess because I was asking John really specific questions about the character. Um, about how he came to writing the character. And he 
answered those questions by sharing with me his preparation process for the film as a director. And I loved that time together and was taking it all in and all of the films that he would show me or photographs that he would introduce me to that, you know, sparked um, uh, his desire to write the, the script, uh, the, his, his choices of uh, department heads, why he was choosing who, the things that were presented to him that made him really passionate about uh, certain department heads. And I was just getting all of this information in. And the way I was receiving it at was I was just having these questions answered. It wasn't until later in life did I realize he was planting, and I don't know that it was intentional, but a seed was being planted. And subconsciously, I was um, struck by the idea that um, as a director, you get to work on so much, uh, on a more deeper level with the entire production. And if you're a person that uh, likes to collaborate and, and, and likes to bring shared ideas into a space, into a common space and see them come to light. Um, directing could be something to try out. I did not realize that during that moment, but later on I was like, that's what was happening, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Well, that, that's a brilliant segue into talking about directing, but I, I can't help asking if you had to put your house on it, would you guess that he was trying to ignite you or he was just trying to share? Because most directors are just like, we're show-offs, you know, we want to share our stuff. Do you, do you have a feeling about that? I think that it was uh, being a show-off probably a bit, but John definitely has this, and I speak about him as the present because I guess his energy and spirit is always going to be um, uh, with us. Uh, but he has this uncanny ability to um, recognize talent before the talent even knows their potential. Yeah. And um, I do believe that, um, and you know what? Actually, when I think about conversations that we had later, he did actually say, I'm not surprised. I, 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 I'm not surprised you, you, you're directing. So I would say that perhaps, yes, there was something that he did see that made him, um, instead of just quickly answering the question, um, that made him invite me into his space and, and, and um, absorb all of that information. So I say a combination of both. Fantastic. So so I do want, I'm just going to say in passing, I mean, you have the most incredible record as an actress. You've got beautiful performances that we've all seen. We are going to move to you as a director. Uh, but when I was looking up some things for this evening, I, I found a Twitter feed and, and, and it, it was from, from a while ago. And someone kept on saying, the queen is coming. The queen is here. And I just thought that was just such a remarkable thing. It was like they, they, your arrival was so celebrated in this Twitter feed. Anyway, moving on. When did you, when did you kind of think for the first time that you might actually be a director? I don't know exactly like the first time. Like they, there wasn't 
there is not a moment that I feel like it was an aha moment. I think it was a series of things that were happening um, all the way from Jerry Maguire to maybe Enemy of the State. So maybe sometime after Enemy of the State, uh, having had the experience of working with so many different types of directors, did I feel like this is something I think I want to do. I want to try this out. But I never said it out loud. I was too scared to say it out loud. And then maybe somewhere along Ray and having that experience with Taylor. And to, uh, I remember after we had finished uh, shooting um, the, the film and, and he had finished editing it, we had gone for drinks uh, at uh, this little pub in LA and we ended up being there for like two hours. And he was just talking to me about his, the trajectory of his entire career. And it was at that moment that I was like, yeah, yeah, I think I really do want to do this. So I said it out loud to my sister first. And she was like, hell yeah. You know, you, 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 totally you should. I want to direct one day too. You know, of course, little sisters, that, that's, <laughs> they, they do. Um, but she, uh, my, my sister's my, um, my producing partner now and, and, and we're so close and, and, and she, she not laughing or, or immediately taking it seriously was just a great reception for me. And then some years after that, it wasn't until, um, uh, 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 an artist here, a music artist uh, uh, named Jaheen. Uh, we were on a talk show together and he asked me, would I be in his video, in his next video? And I was like, ooh, that's sweet, but no. And then I realized I had this, now that was the aha moment. Okay. So the aha moment was, this may be your opportunity. To, to, to say to the world that you want to direct. So I went back to him, knocked on his dressing room door and I was like, so um, listen, uh, if you want me to be in your video, I'll be in it if I can direct it. And he was like, uh, really? And I said, yeah, sure. So he's like, well, let me put you in touch with um, the label person or whatever. And so uh, they did and they asked me, well, do you know how to write a treatment? This is one of the lies that I am very much a person that does not believe in lying. Cause once you start a lie, you got to finish a lie. Yeah. <laughs> but I said, sure, I can write a treatment. And I guess it wasn't fully a lie because I didn't say I've written a treatment before. I just said, sure, I can write a treatment. <laughs> so uh, I guess it was a lie of omission. And I, um, from there began, I, I reached out to director friends that I knew, Tim Story, uh, Dwayne Johnson Cochran, and asked them, where do I begin with writing a treatment? <laughs> 
and uh, they kind of, you know, just my my whole career has been directors that have been very supportive uh, for me along the way, and and so that's that was my introduction, I guess, as uh, saying out loud that um, I'm going to be a director. I don't think that was a lie. That was just the the future coming to you know coming to be. You there were just you out go. of time a little bit there. <laughs> um, uh, that's fantastic, and I, I I really would love to know. And it's something I've asked a lot of directors over the years. But the first time you walked on the set as a director, do you remember what your what your anxieties were and what the pleasures were, and if you even? I mean, it was. It's interesting because you know the first time I walked on the set with that video um, was a different level of anxiety than the first time I walked on the set um, shooting uh, the first thing that I had done after a couple videos and a short was a television film, right. and uh, those those two experiences were quite different as far as first time mm -hmm. but what they how they were alike is the anxiety is just like like you I don't know about for um a lot of uh my comrades out there but uh there it's like I could feel my heart beating in my stomach chest and throat at the same time and being grateful for having the acting skills uh, because um, well, I had a wonderful first AD and um, she uh, said to me, okay, you're looking like a deer in headlights. And I was like, okay, get it together. And so I was able to, you know, put mm -hmm. on a different face. And uh, I also feel like still to this day, even as an actor, if I don't feel some bit of butterflies or something in my stomach uh, going into something, then that means it doesn't mean a lot to me. And so that means I probably shouldn't be a part of it. So hopefully I don't, and I'm knocking on wood, hopefully I don't have that experience. I don't, I don't wanna feel that. I don't want to, that, that, that's probably more terrifying yeah yeah to not know to not feel yeah. yeah so so i know you've done a lot of telly so there's been you know there were the videos and then there's telly and now you've made a movie and i just want to know does making a movie did making a movie feel like a, another another graduation another first oh yeah look at that absolutely <laughs> absolutely oh my gosh yes um you know, a lot of the, the I, I was using the television kind of as like my school uh, yeah. because I, I didn't go to film school, but yet I've been on film sets all my life, or majority of my life. So I do feel like I had a lot of, um, I, I was collecting jewels along the way. Uh, the, the education was happening as I was um, on my journey as an actor, um, I truly believe. But the thing that television provided was 
because TV moves so fast and that's what's so great about TV. Um, but it just really, uh, you know, just, you know, put me right into it. You know, I, I did a lot of shadowing of directors prior to directing um, my first uh, television assignment, but um, just being there as like a fly on the wall and being allowed to ask very specific questions of mm -hmm. all the department heads. Mm -hmm. What I've discovered, which was a great discovery to make and was able to apply it along the way, you know, eventually to One Night in Miami, was how much the crew, um, it's important for them to know that they're appreciated. Yeah. And that their their artistry that your that that your craftspeople know that uh, they're that you understand that we can't make it to the finish line without all of your art, yeah. and and I, and how I, I realized that is seeing directors that did that, and um, also when I would ask like the DP when I was shadowing questions or the gaffer questions, uh, the way they responded was so like, wow, you're asking us a question? Well, you know, th th and they just, poof, like gave all information, like went beyond uh, the question that was being asked as far as the answer. And I realized, wow, you know, this, and you and you could take a moment like that and then apply it to yourself. Just how uh, good it feels when someone is really interested in what you're doing and um, genuinely interested. And and so having that experience as a person that was shadowing, um, mm -hmm. I, I was able to kind of put that in my uh, tool tool chest. Okay. Now I'm going to actually turn to the question of One Night in Miami. I am also going to, ah, great. Someone just pipped me there. I was going to say, I know you've all seen the film. I want your questions as well as mine. Uh, and this is where, this is where um, I'm going to ask both questions from the audience and my own, but, but why don't we just start by uh, you telling us how you came across the material, whether you saw the film and, and how did you and it come together? Well, um, I was just uh, in the process of, of starting to work with a new uh, lit agent at, and he uh, had taken me to uh, breakfast. Remember that when we used to be able to be to go to breakfast, folks? Oh, <laughs> but those were the days, right? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so that was last year. Uh, well, beginning, uh, not beginning of last year, but somewhere around the spring, I guess, of last year. And um, he was asking me, what type of films, what type of stories do you want to tell? Mm -hmm. And um, in asking me that, I just went on the, the, through all of the stories. But one of them was that I wanted to do a, uh, a, a story a, 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 a love story with a uh, black couple with the lead with a 
a historic backdrop, within historic backdrop, kind of like a Titanic. You know, I said, well, I don't feel like we really have had that one, that type of film in a while and that type of film with someone that, you know, um, looks like me. And he was like, would you act in it? I said, no, but uh, that is that is a story that I'd like to tell. So not long after that, one night in Miami, he brought to me. And, and while it was not a love story in the romantic sense, it is definitely a love story uh, when it comes to this brotherhood, when it comes to Kemp's writing and his the love letter that he, to me, in my opinion, that he'd written, you know, for um, a black man's experience. And I just felt like I had never seen uh, one, these men uh, portrayed this way, because we've seen um, Malcolm and, and uh, Ali uh, portrayed in several uh, different uh, pieces uh, over the years, but I had never seen black men just being men with all of their complexities, the vulnerability, the strength, the, 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 the conversations of responsibility as an artist and what is your responsibility. And um, it was beautiful to me. And these were conversations that I have heard before. These are conversations that I have had. These are conversations that the men that I know and love have. And I just felt like, wow, the dialogue is the star and this is an actor's piece and I want in on this. And so um, I've read the play after that just because I was also so blown away because oftentimes when you have an author that's uh, adapting their book or their play into a screenplay, it, it doesn't usually land quite as well. A lot of times another writer has to come in to help uh, shape that or form that. And I was just blown away that this was, uh, hitting me the way it did, because I had not seen the play. So I, I, I bought the play and I read the play and I was just even more impressed by Kemp because while he was able to open up the story, uh, he still kept all of the, everything that made the story special in the play remained in the screenplay, even though we don't even hear um, the first line that happens in the film that was actually, actually a line in the play doesn't happen until like 45, 50 minutes into the film. Wow. Wow. That's, that's amazing. I was going to ask you how it diverged, but I, I, you've raised so many issues there, uh, Regina. My head is bursting, but, but I, I want to just ask you just one thing. I mean, it struck me that each of those men in real life was a superstar, yeah? And so um, how did you, just on the casting front, it, it's like, you know, do you immediately, how, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that? Because we, we, we think we know these men, right? And, and so you've got to deal with our memory of them. And you've also got to, you're, you're doing this thing where you're actually saying, uh, no, you don't know these men because I'm about to tell you something that you don't know about these men, including their vulnerability and, and their interconnectedness. So 
So that was an interesting problem, right? Yes. But the thing about it is, you know, Kemp's script was the blueprint. It, he, it was, it was, everything was on the page and what wasn't on the page, um, Kemp and I connected so, so uh, strongly immediately that the things that I wanted to build on or add, um, he agreed with because I think um, I truly received his intention in writing this piece. Right. And, and, and because of that, uh, it put us immediately in the same space and he was a wealth of uh, knowledge because uh, his, his intention initially when he had found out that this night had actually happened was to write a book. And so, you know, a book is much bigger than a play. So he had done so much research and he shared, you know, a lot of that with me. So uh, that was uh, quite helpful. And it was just very clear to me reading the uh, a, a script that what Kemp was doing when he sets up this introduction of each of our heroes, that he is humanizing them immediately because he shows them in, in, at a time when they're getting kicked, when, 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 when they're being, that uh, they're not at uh, the, 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 they are in very vulnerable moments that uh, those moments that remind you how in this case, America sees you. And uh, I, I felt like that is a through line that no matter if you're the most celebrated person in the world in Muhammad Ali's case, or you are Jamal, one of the, uh, young one of the, the the guards that are guarding Malcolm at the door there is a a a, a, a commonality that connects all of them and so because of that I knew that uh going into it is the, the casting part of it that this was the right actors would understand that the dialogue is a star and that they would make it just sing and mm -hmm. and that it needed to be for actors that understood that they are um, embodying who these men are um, yeah. and that they needed to understand and do the research uh, of all of the things that have taken place that have led them to this moment because our film is only about this moment. But all of the their th those men's journey as an individual has led them mm -hmm. to this moment. So while some of those things aren't in the dialogue, they it, it, it is in the performance. It is in the it is in the dialogue um, mm -hmm. as far as the emotion of it. And so um, so so I I I knew that that was my, my uh, biggest feat, if you will, is uh, to find those four actors. And because um, I love being an actor, I love being a thespian, I knew that they were out there. And boy, mm -hmm. I, I, I could, I feel like I, I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't change one of them. I just, they're, they're just exceptional and they gave it their all, you know. It's, it's so funny because you've used the word vulnerable two or three times just now in the last couple of minutes. And I wrote down here, uh, something about those men was so vulnerable. Even on this big day, there was something bigger to attend to and they could not have their moment. And I just wonder whether that's, that, that's how you see it. Because there was this great line in it about, the, uh, about something to do with, and I, it's a quote, pro, uh, the pressure of being, they, they name themselves successful Negroes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and that idea of, you know, this very elite thing. But actually, this, this movie was ab- about the fact that they weren't allowed to be successful Negroes, even yeah. in this moment of triumph. I, I yeah. just, I just very interested in, in that idea and whether, how, how central that was for you in, in the way it played out. Absolutely. The line is Malcolm's line, you know, when, when the, 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 everything is starting between Sam and Malcolm. And um, it's, it's, it's great that you uh, pointed that uh, line out because it is the beginning of the debate really starting to go down. It starts a little bit on the roof, mm-hmm. uh, but it, 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 we're really about to dig all the way into it. And the thing uh, about that uh, is that they both realize that. They both realize that they're, they uh, are have not been um, as much as they are revered, as much as they are told, oh, I love your music. Um, at the end of the day, you still just a Negro. They, they both uh, would agree to that. Um, but they both have different ideas of how to use their art or their power uh, responsibly for the cause, for, for, and the cause being uh, to have true uh, uh, equality or equity uh, uh, as a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but they, so, so because they have both different ideas about how to achieve that, uh, what I hope is when people walk away from this film, what I receive is that both of these perspectives on how to achieve that have to exist in order to uh, achieve that. And I think that that's what's so beautiful about this one night uh, that takes place. You hear uh, Jim uh, almost kind of echo a bit of what Sam's, uh, where Sam is and kind of helps Malcolm to see or consider that. Uh, And Cassius does the same thing um, to Sam, kind of echoes some of the things that Malcolm is saying and kind of gets Sam to consider. Uh, And, you know, by the end of the night, you know, my son kind of likens um, from the moment of them being on the roof to the end of the film, like summer camp. 
He says that, you know, you you go to summer camp and you're there with your friends and your boys and you usually have like it's about three or four of you. It's mm -hmm. uh, and, and and somewhere in camp, you guys have a big blow up. And then by the time camp is over, you're walking off in arms like, man, I'll see you next summer. You know, you, you, you my guy, you know. And I said, wow, I guess. You know, I, 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 I see that. I, mean, I felt like that was a very interesting uh, way to put it, but um, there is a bit of that, you know, they, they are, uh, when, when they are at odds, it is, there's something to me that was very, a teaching moment, if you will, in Kemp's work that uh, understanding how you can debate with respect, mm. you know, that how you can debate with love and it doesn't have to be um, vicious. And um, at times when it does get heightened, how you can still come back and be uh, the bigger person. And, and, and I, I feel like they both, um, you know, it was a tense moment. Um, Malcolm being, the, the, and they were all so young on this day, yes. you know, yes. so young. They were all so young, but Malcolm still um, is, uh, you know, a, 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 when it comes to the psychology, he was probably the best at understanding how words can make people feel. And, and I thought it was really great to Kemp make the choice to have Malcolm uh, kind of diffuse the situation by sharing a story uh, mm -hmm. about Sam uh, of appreciation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that kind of um, is yeah. that, that, that summer camp moment, <laughs> you know? I, I, do you know what? I think it's really interesting uh, that you put it like that because uh, I think that as I was watching it, I thought this is this is a real triumph of actually sort of looking at, if you like, intellectual or ideological differences and, and behaviors and actually making them emotional and interdependent, which is in a funny way what you've just said. And I think it's, I think it was all the more moving for that because we do live in an age of, of sort of anti-intellectualism and and here you've got Malcolm X and he's saying it as it is and he's, he's explaining the structure of something he is not pulling any punches here and 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 yet the way the play it plays out you know in the movie is 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 actually a way that is kind of uplifting upsetting you know which is which is a very cool thing to have done I have to say um now i'm i am actually gonna come to the to sort of like stuff about now and relevance and so on but james maycock sent sent a couple of questions earlier and i i think this is a really good moment to 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 say it. and i'm actually going to read it because he starts by saying hi regina thank you i thought this was a terrific film so i think you need to know that um one whose ideas linger in the mind and and what he wanted to know was how much do you think what was going on in that motel room was a microcosm of what was about to happen in black america that black america was on the cusp of a paradigm shift in attitude and consciousness and then he quotes muhammad ali he says I will not be who, 
brackets, uh, who you, brackets, white America, want me to be? Well, first of all, thank you, James. Um, I, I think, uh, yes, um, I, and I, but I feel like there were, those conversations were going on in a lot of different places that, you know, what, what was that common uh, feeling of marginalization and black bodies being um, being decimated, that this was, first of all, these conversations that they were having, they were conversations that were being had far before 1964. And there have been just these moments in America that, you know, c continue to bubble back up and, um, some shifting or changes happen and then it kind of dies down and we are finding ourselves here in that powder keg moment again now. So um, while I, I think none of us, th th those men included, had any idea that within a year, Malcolm and Sam were not going to be with us. Yeah. Um, you know, there's always that feeling of, wow, what would it have been like if Malcolm was able to continue to speak so publicly with all that he had learned, with some of the shifts that he was making spiritually because he was having a different understanding, especially after coming from Mecca. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and, and so, you know, we can all do the shoulda, woulda, coulda, but um, what we can do that I feel like is more effective is to consider, well, what I I am actually here. They're not with us anymore. So what 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 is my own personal call to action? And that's something that I think, you know, only only you can 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 figure out what your responsibility is as an artist. What 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 how you can use your platform and to understand that taking it back to Sam and Malcolm's debate that what necessarily works for me is not what's going to work for James, you know, and, 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 you know, so on and so on and so on. Mm -hmm. um, but there is something within uh, all of us. I think uh, that it's a human instinct to uh, want to be a part of something that, uh, can shift, um, shift hate to love, mm. you know, th um, from, and I say the majority of us, sure, there's not, you know, <laughs> it's not percent yeah. Yeah, yeah, but 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 I, I'm I guess I'm I'm a, a Pollyanna in the thinking in the of that I have to believe that the majority of the world of the human race. Um, are good people. We make some bad decisions. Sure do. You know, um, but but for the most part, we are good. Now, um, are we going to? We we the universe has put us in this space where we with the pandemic went down. The whole world was watching. The mm. whole world was watching, and the whole world saw George Floyd be murdered, and these are things, these moments are moments that the black communities 
have witnessed over and over and over and over and over and over again over you know the hundred years you know and um and it's something that we have been uh protesting have been writing about shouting about um crying about um emoting about in some way ever since our existence you know here in America. And so now that the whole world is watching and now it's now that we are in this moment, it's kind of a, well, what, what are we going to do with it? How active are we going to be in changing systems? Because we all know that the systems that uh, are, were put in place were put in place with not um, uh, considering um, all people and that we're in, in a space where we have um, women speaking out about uh, uh, our um, uh, injustices, uh, people of color, people that don't identify with uh, gender that is just male or female. And so all of that is kind of happening at the same time. So um, my my thought is that anyone who gets to see this film and is reminded that this conversation was happening in 64 has been present. I, I think you have to be under a rock to not see what's been going on and what, um, where we are. Um, hopefully it'll be a bit of a call to action. You know, I, I feel like this was my opportunity to to be a part of that. I'm not I'm not a great speaker, you know. I'm not a person that's um, good at taking information and putting it in a quick soundbite so that it can go out and make an impact. That's not my strong suit. But um, I, I do feel like um, storytelling is something that I'm 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 not so bad at, you know. And not so bad. <laughs> not so bad. I would say so. And 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 I do think it is it it is a it is a film that is hurry up already as well as as well as remember. You know, it, it does both things. I'm going to ask you because I'm I'm aware of the time. I'm going to come back to to something that you just said now, but I'm just going to stop and do a slightly nerdy question of my own. But but on the back of something that Paul Allen has said, he he says, "Loved one night in Miami." Uh, what was your approach to ensure four men in room was continually arresting both visually and through the performances and maybe you you answered the last bit but the visual thing i mean i did think it was a really strong visual thing my nerdy thing is i want to know whether malcolm x was an amateur photographer uh because i love what you did with that um but 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 do talk a little bit about the visual style particularly because you you know you had a restricted palette you just did right yeah uh, well thank you paul i'm glad you enjoyed the film um I, uh, going into it, I, I, is obviously, I, I was like, we, we have a challenge here, you know, the 50 minutes of this film is in one room. So there were, um, a few things that I knew that I wanted immediately. And, and those two things in particular. And while I was not, um, I think it's very important that, that, relationship between a director, DP, production designer, and wardrobe designer 
uh, is a really open communication that you're using the uh, same drop boxes or uh, inspiration so that uh, we can, we don't have any surprises, you know, that, that just looks like no one was talking. And uh, my DP, Tammy Riker, she and I just uh, have a, a great shorthand. And while I was not always able to say, you know, the, the which camera we should use or which lens we should use or which piece of equipment we should use, I'm very good at being very clear visually what I want. Mm -hmm. And what I wanted were two things. I wanted the, the, the color to be vivid, saturated. While uh, usually when you're doing a piece that's in that time period, um, you know, the colors are more muted, you know, and, and that is, um, oh, oh uh, that there are plenty of films that I've seen that I love that uh, creative choice. But I've really felt these men are so young and these conversations, I want my son to see the commercial and go, oh yeah, I want to tune into that mm -hmm. uh, because I know, you know, with, teenagers and 20-somethings, they don't really uh, gravitate to black and white or muted colors. You know, they, they you know, we're, we're in this computer age. It's what gets your attention, you know? So it was that. And also because I feel like with the history of uh, black people in America, with all of the, 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 the sadness and pain we still have always managed to find a way to laugh and dance and, and sing and color represents that to me. So I, I wanted the, 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 as far as from a wardrobe designing uh, point, I wanted the men, even though they were gonna be in the same suit throughout, I wanted the suits to fit them uh, perfectly. And even though Jim was in a black suit, it was kind of like this, uh, shark skin is what they called it. So it had a sheen to it. So just, I, I wanted, I, you know, you, you know, I wanted every moment that you're looking at them to be pleasing. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I also felt like I wanted the feeling in the camera to be, to, to match the vitality of these men. So I told Tammy, I want, us to always be moving, but I don't want the camera to be a distraction because that, that, you know, that's a very fine line when the camera's moving and it's not supposed to, you're just like, well, what the, why doesn't it, what, why is it moving? So um, she had a great idea of, we I knew I wanted the, the scenes on the roof to be handheld because that's when things, it starts out kind of smooth and then now we're into our second half. Mm -hmm. uh, so, um, we made the decision that in the room, we would shoot everything on the jib arm. And, and, and so there's always this, this little small bit of energy that's always in the frame. And so that was really important to me and, and, she, and she understood that. So I, I feel like those things are the two biggest things mm -hmm. that um, uh, help to not make you feel like we're static, even when we are static. And then the biggest of all of them is performances. You yeah. know, you, you just, 
you don't mind when it's a great performance, you know, and just trying to stage things when we were in the room where like there's moments where they're talking and it kind of uh, wanted to feel Malcolm is starting to have this claustrophobic feeling, you know, the three of them are on this side of the room. He's here and I cut, you know, getting closer and closer to him as Sam is coming up on him and they start off really far apart. So just things like that going in, I, I think also help that. And then I did a big cheat. Um, I uh, decided not to really be authentic with the size of the room at the Hampton House Hotel. <laughs> Uh, so I um, made an artistic choice that what if at the Hampton house, they, you know, had two rooms and they blew out a wall of one of the rooms. And this is the special room that when Malcolm X and people like that come to visit, they put them in the Hampton suite. So <laughs> I think we're all grateful to you for that cheat. Now, I know that we're coming right to an end, so I am just going to ask you, I'm going to apologize to the person whose question I didn't get to. I'm going to ask you one last question, which is, you know, you, you have alluded to the fact you are a woman, you're a woman of color. You've said this is another moment where, you know, things are rising up and you have a duty to tell stories. Do you feel optimistic about being a storyteller in this moment? Is, is this a good moment to tell us? to be a storyteller and to be um, you, I should say, to be you and to be a storyteller. I think every moment in time has been a good moment to be a storyteller. I do feel like um, we're in a space now that, you know, it's tough as a woman and a woman of color, you know, we don't get the opportunity to fail up, you know, women, if we haven't done a great job on a project, you know, she, she goes into director jail immediately. So uh, we, we have a lot of responsibility, whether we don't want it or not, you know, because if, if we perform well, then it continues to keep the door open for all of these amazing artists that are out there that are not getting opportunity. And so speaking specifically to this moment, you know, we have some really um, uh, awesome uh, directors uh, that are, you know, kicking ass, you know, you've got Chloe Zhao, uh, Greta Gerwig, uh, Dee Rees, but there, there are, um, and, and the list goes on, um, Mati Diop, uh, that are, um, we're doing it and we're supporting each other as we're doing it. And um, I, I feel like uh, there's gonna be a lot more to come because we are uh, publicly having conversations opposed to privately having conversations. Um, I think the pressure is on uh, to allow, um, to give opportunities to more storytellers. Regina, I could go on for hours, but we're gonna stop. Thank you so much. Thank you for the film. It was fantastic. And thank you for this conversation. It was also fantastic. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. <laughs> this podcast was recorded at a Directors UK member event. 
You can hear more episodes of the Directors UK podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or your favourite podcatcher. Directors UK is a professional association for film and TV directors with over 7,500 members. Find out more about us at directors.uk.com.